In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Welcome to another episode of WA Expose, a podcast about local arts by local artists. As always, I'm your host, Aria Scarlett, with the immense privilege of recording this podcast on Wajak Nunga Budja. Today's guest is the matriarch, or grandmother, as someone once announced her as, of WA's neo-burlesque scene. After being at the forefront of the burlesque revival in Perth in 2006, with a background in costuming and swing dance, she's enjoyed an exciting career on stages around the world, as well as teaching burlesque and vintage dance. She now primarily works as a producer of burlesque events in Australia, even though she's been living in the UK since 2011. She became the owner of the Miss Burlesque Worldwide competition in 2017, after being in the producer role of the Miss Burlesque and Mr. Boylesque WA competition since 2012. She updated the competitions and relaunched two years ago as Mix Burlesque Australia, a more inclusive event. The well-known wizard behind the curtain, of course, I am talking about the owner of Sugar Blue Burlesque, joining us all the way from the UK. Hi, Melanie. How are you? Oh, lovely to meet you. Yes, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, it, this is very exciting. I've done uh, interviews with people Um who are interstate or overseas before, but never have I interviewed somebody who has been so instrumental in the local scene from so far away. This is an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for getting up so early uh-huh. and battling the time difference with me and having this conversation. Oh, no, it's my absolute pleasure. It's, I mean, I, I feel like I, I live in Australia in Perth, like most days anyway. So it's, it's all, it's all, I'm very, very used to it, but it's, yeah, it's absolutely pleasure talking to you about this. You you sure. definitely do. You definitely are like an honorary, just on, well, honor honorary. You started here entirely. Well, actually let's dive into it because I don't know how many, I know that like since you have moved to the UK, a lot of new burlesque performers and new creative artists have come through the space just in general. So um, it'd be really great to, so that people who might not have heard about the amazing work they do can like get a all experience on everything that is Melanie. Um, so let's start with the obvious. Why burlesque? Gosh. Um, <laughs> so I, my think because my background is in, um, uh, I guess, pro- not so much performing arts, actually. Uh, it's in a vintage dance. So uh, Lindy Hop um, was sort of my, my passion for many years since I was probably about 20 or 21. Mm-hmm. So I was doing Lindy Hop. Um, and I was also a trained costumer, so I was making costumes for costume hire and theatre and things. Um, and that's what, um, yeah, I also lived in Melbourne for a while. So I sort of, um, I was really into sort of, yeah, vintage styling and vintage, um, yeah, sort of performances and dance. Um, and then when I saw my first burlesque show, which was overseas at a, um, at a Lindy Hop dance camp, um, uh, it just, I, I had no idea. I had opened my eyes. I'd never seen Bella before. And, um, yeah, I just thought, gosh, this is really, 
something I would love to do. And we didn't have uh, that type of scene in Perth at the time. Um, we had we had um, cabaret shows mm. um, and a bit, a bit of drag, you know, going on. There was, you know, if that sort of was underground, you know. And um, so when I, you know, came back to Australia after doing some travel and things, and myself and um, Miss Bonnie Fox, who mm. um, started um, Sugar Blue Burlesque with me, who is and now an international burlesque. <laughs> but, uh, um, yeah, we, we decided to, to start um, yeah, Sugar Blue Burlesque um, with another performer, Scarlett O'Hara, who is still still in the scene, but more doing mini hop and things. And um, yeah, and and it just kind of boomed, I think, because it wasn't present at the time. And our passion was just really, really there for it. We, we loved it. We loved the aesthetic. We loved the performance aspect. We were just learning about burlesque through watching other people and, and um, uh, there was nothing here and for us to be able to watch anything, there wasn't very much online either. Um, right. So we would try and get some old DVDs of, of you know, teaserama and things that were, um, you know, from the 50s and earlier, anything that we could actually find, um, we would watch. And I know Bonnie, Bonnie used to like just read um, so much books about historical, um, you know, things about burlesque and she was such a historian on it. So she taught me things. I'm not so much of a reader, so I'm more sort of visual. Uh, and mm-hmm. she's just such such a yeah, such a powerhouse in learning about this kind of thing as well. So we were just a great team, and um, yeah, it really went boom. Um, and a lot of people wanted to learn. And so after a year of sort of performing and and honing our skills, because we really had had a dance background. Um, yeah, yeah, we sort of decided to start teaching, and um, it just went crazy. Yeah, we loved it. <laughs> Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, so is this around the 2006 mark? What was the goal for Sugar Blue Burlesque then? Because obviously it would be vastly different to the goals now. Yeah, very much so. And that's because of the evolution of, of the scene mm. um, for sure. You know, I think when we first started it was um, we, we really enjoyed pre- performing and we had had a collaboration at the time right, right from the get-go with um, – Outrage and the the bakery they had um, the venue the bakery at the time, so we were straight in there pretty much. They they got us involved and we were doing monthly shows there right from the get go. Um, we were involved in their Outrage um, festival. Um, it was our very first sort of massive gig that we did, um, and it, we sort of found that with you know in that crowd there was a, a really big you know quite an alternative scene coming to watch us as well. And the performers we had um, came from all different backgrounds. We had singers. We had um, uh, also a lot of circus performers who were, um, you know, queer performers. We had um, comedians. We had actors. And so we had – it was quite a more of a cabaret, vaudeville-style mm. show. Uh, so at that point it was, you know, entertainment and um, then we got into the teaching and, and uh, empowerment was really coming through at that point about, you know, uh, especially for women, learning about how to accept their bodies, and we just found that was such a natural progression to win art form, um, and we were learning ourselves as well, and um, we, it was so empowering for us as well. It was amazing, you know. Things changed over. Obviously, we've been doing for this for sixteen years, mm. and um, the the change in the growth of the the scene and the industry has been phenomenal. And even I just have. Absolutely love seeing the change, and I love seeing the different artists that have come through. And you know, now really partnering with sort of the the, the more the queer scene and, and drag artists and things, you know, has just been. I've just 
it's been one of my favourite things that's been happening, I think, um, especially over the last five years. Um, it just has really changed the, the way performers on stage just sort of seeing what kind of content they've been coming out with. And, you know, trying to create original content, you know, in burlesque can be quite challenging sometimes um, because a lot of it's been done before, you know. Um, But I think I have seen lots of new things coming through and that, for me, that's really exciting because I've seen a lot of of performers, a lot of burlesque, Um, yeah. Yeah, you've seen your fair share and maybe like even over the top of that by now for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have seen a lot. And I, but I, I love it. I still, I absolutely love going to see a burlesque show and just being there screaming my, my head off. You know, I'm often the producer um, and because I live over here, I rarely get to see my own shows mm. and I get to see it on video. <laughs> so actually being able to see a burlesque show um, because I also have two children. It's difficult for me to get out of the house. So when I do get an opportunity to see it, like a burlesque show or on top of a show, I just go mad, scream, and just ah, just so immersed in it. It makes me feel so inspired. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's that's so it. really, that's so interesting to hear because I hadn't considered that. But, of course, it must be so strange to be, like, creating these projects and, like, having to um, almost give up part of the power to people who are on the ground in the moment um, and then not even being able to, like, bask in the glory of a moment like um, Nick's Bell SWA or, or whatever show or event is happening in the moment because you're like, oh, and then I'll see the clip show later. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is strange, isn't it? But you know, I think I'm so used to it now because mm. I've been I've been away for um, twelve years now. Um, so that's been pretty much my majority of my career in burlesque has been that, <laughs> which is really weird. But so I think the the enjoyment that I get from from doing these projects is the the creative aspect of creating something. You know, as a as a show itself is is sort of where it's at because I can't have that. Um, the the end you know visualization of the show it I, I basically when I when I create a show I, I see it all in my head so because I know the venues and I, I've seen so many videos and things of, of, yeah, of, of performances on these stages and I've been backstage I basically run the whole show in my head as I'm doing running sheets I'm doing text sheets and I see everything and how it plays out so even though it may not end up being like that that's kind of you know I see the show beforehand and that's what's exciting for me and I absolutely love communicating with new artists and as well like um, bringing them into like Unleashed and and things that we know shows that that we may have never had different um, those sort of artists before and I'm so it's so exciting actually meeting them and seeing what they can um, give them to the stage and for our audiences to experience um, these new performances and for me that's really exciting Mm. um, because yeah, and, and seeing some of our students, how they really, really come out and they just go boom and their performance changes completely. It can be over a couple of shows and you just see such a, a massive change on them and how they get mentored and you can see sort of how their personalities and characters, have just they just grow. And um, especially with competitions as well, I think that um, that is where you really see such a massive growth um and I, f- I find that really exciting so that's that's kind of where I get I get sort of my buzz I suppose because yeah. um, I think burlesque for anyone who you know produces performs um as an audience member it, it's a passion you you get involved in this because it's, it is a passion 
Um, it's not a money maker. <laughs> There's a lot of money goes into it. Um, and so you have to have that, that real, that excitement for it and passion for it, I think. Um, and I get that, I get that from, from the other people, from the performers, um, getting that back. They, they love it so much. And that, that totally fuels me, I think. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I, I can't, I can imagine it must just be like such a firecracker for you. Um, rewinding just a little bit, when you were taking up the stages, what sort of acts did you love like to do on stage? What were your go-tos? Oh, uh, for me, I particularly like character work mm. um, and I like comedy. Um, for me, we were just watching comedy. I, that's kind of my favourite thing. Um, my aesthetic was always sort of in the sort of 20s style um, mainly because of you know my I love of vintage um, styling. I absolutely love twenties. Um, Josephine Baker was my like my idol, um, yeah. and um, you know just sort of those vintage dancers, Charleston, that kind of thing. So I always sort of kind of based myself in a, in a twenty style, and um, yeah, I did a bit of character work, um, and which I I found was really um, I found that was sort of easier than the traditional sort of striptease acts, and I. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I was never sort of into sort of um, pasty reveals or anything like that. And yeah, even right. still say I'm not fussed about revealing my boobs or anything. That's like, for me, it doesn't really matter. For me, it's the, the, the aspect of creating the act, getting the costumes together, um, mm. performing is, is a bonus um, because of, of my background in costume. I absolutely love, love creating costumes. Um, and so, yeah, I think having an aesthetic and sort of producing a really visual um, you know, tableau on stage sort of thing is, is for me that is kind of what I enjoyed doing the most and that's why character work was so cool because I could almost act and be something and I could perform even better than trying to be something, someone who's really, really sensual and sexy which is, to be honest, it's, it's not really who I am. I'm definitely more of a, someone who likes more to be a character. Mm. Um, everyone's different, aren't they? Yeah, 100% and it's like that's something really interesting that you've just said about like getting to build and create from the ground up is a much like a very, very freeing process when compared to like obviously your background um, creating costumes would have often been to somebody else's brief. But in this, in burlesque, you can be like, I'm creating it to my brief for my character, which is me, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Like it's, it's, I think the, the act of creation for a lot of people. And I mean, Creation in burlesque, you know, stems from different things for different people. Like for me, it's costumes. Some people, it's working with particular tracks they absolutely adore. Some people, it's about like having an idea of a narrative and they're just like, oh, I just want to, you know, really focus on this theme. I've got to get this this idea out of my head and onto the stage and, and express how I'm feeling, you know, it could be, which could be anything, love, um, anger, mm. you know, uh, it, whatever despair or, you know, all those emotions that you can project and, and maybe got into feel something. I mean, I think is, is such uh, an amazing thing about burlesque, you know, um, that's why I love it too. Um, for that reason. Yeah. I mean, yes, there's so much, I mean, obviously I'm not a burlesque performer myself, but there is so much, um, that continues to draw me back to like loving being on a lineup where it's just like a bunch of burlesque performers and me because I just get to hang out near them there is an, definitely an energy that like demands attention and sucks you towards these incredible performers and we're very lucky in Western Australia to be like gifted with quite a like a very very healthy stock of incredible artists here um 
when it came to progressing with Sugar Blue Burlesque, like, did you, like, was there anything that you could have foreseen, like, the incredible sort of powerhouse that that company is here now? Oh, God, who would have thought, eh? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, it, you just, uh, the thing I learned, I think, in this whole journey is that it's really important that you just focus on your journey and your your path because there's so many times where, you know, we, we have new companies starting doing similar things and that kind of thing. And it's just, and that's very natural progression mm. of industry um, in every industry that is competition. And actually it's the most healthiest, most fantastic thing that can happen. Completely. Because it creates more opportunities um, for everyone involved. Um, but, what some people found is that, and then, you know, it's by talking to other companies and things, is that getting distracted by what other people are doing, what how other performers are potentially getting more work or they're getting this opportunity. Blah, blah, blah. And then it's just like you, they're not focusing on, on their own work and their mm. own journey. They're just thinking, why am I getting those opportunities? Like, no. They, and this is the same goes when, when you're building sort of your company going forward is that in your business, you've just got to, to follow your own goals and, and follow your own path because, yeah, and, and so it's so, so funny. So that's why it kind of goes fast. Like we we keep going and then we just keep going. We're doing what we're doing. And the main thing is that what I found with with um, Sugar Blue is that um, and why I always really, really, really try to, especially being away, um, is that you've got to listen to the people who work for you, the people who are doing your classes and who are involved in the scene um, you've got to listen and mm. and talk to everyone about what's going on, but also not I'm talking I'm not talking about bitchiness or anything like that or politics. I'm talking about like what people need, um, what they're going through, what how this is helping them because this art form is very therapeutic um, and it's really important that you do cater to people's needs and what they you know what their journey is going to be. So. Um, that's what I found that aided my business in terms of not being there on the ground is I have the most amazing staff you could ever imagine. I mean, you know, know them all and <laughs> they're the most wonderful, beautiful people. And I'm the most luckiest person on the world to have such wonderful teachers and troop members and people who they just are so kind and they're so passionate. And I think that's the thing. And without them, obviously, Sugar Blue would be nothing. Um, and so I really value all the people who I have who work in the business. And it's, it's about them and it's about their journeys as well. So, you know, everyone's lives, you know, and this is the thing is that another thing that I learned is that, you know, burlesque is amazing and is obviously my business, my income. But in the end, it's burlesque and it's not for enjoyment. And everyone has their own life outside of burlesque as well. Some people have professional working lives, you know, corporate, you know, jobs. Um, they have personal life stuff going on and you've always got to make sure that that is okay. And it, if it gets in the way with their uh, burlesque work, that's totally cool. Things change. They can't do a show, no biggie. You know, they get an injury. Well, let's make some amendments. You know, like you've got to roll with it and you've got to understand and be empathetic, and that's a massive thing in business. I think is just being empathetic with um, people um, who are surrounding you in your business. Um, 
yeah, that's something I've learned for sure. Completely. It's definitely um, sort of an ode to the longevity of Sugar Blue Burlesque as well is the ability to be flexible and to be empathetic and to be understanding of people because when your business is people and when your business is people in the arts, it's a very personal version of that person. Um, so a lot of places can end up coming up against a bit of a brick wall when they don't take into consideration the fact that they're working with people in quite often, like often when it does come to physicality um, and removing clothing, it can be in quite a vulnerable state. So you have to be like very open to that. And I think a hundred percent just speaks to yeah, the longevity of Sugar Blue Burlesque for being able to do that. Yeah, you're so right. It is such a it is a vulnerable art, and I think that um, you know we we do we do live in a bit of a bubble sometimes with our shows yeah. that we it's so comfortable sort of doing these arts. But actually, when we when you do do um, sort of burlesque in the more of a formal you know parties and things that are a bit more um, not so much in our bubble in our world, it can be a bit like oh okay these people don't get this at all. <laughs> it can be quite shocking. Yeah, it's funny our, our nice bubble. It's lovely, but yeah, it can be sometimes. Yeah, you get taken back sometimes. Yeah, it's far too safe inside the bubble, and as soon as you go outside of it, you remember. Oh wait, yeah, the rest of the world lives out here. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. We are still uh, a risque art form in the end. Um, you know, strip season and um, you know showing our boobs and bums and everything else we do, you know, it's like that, you know, striptease will always, and strippers will always be, you know, have that kind of risque factor. Um, but it's getting better, I think. Mm. I think people are, are way more accepting and and, um, and open to it than they, than they used to be so many years ago. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot to be said about fringe and, and things as well, um, helping that, which is good. Well, yeah, I mean, you spoke a little bit about like the ever-changing industry and uh, different schools and that popping up. There's almost like a way that we can celebrate the fact that there being so um, many different schools and they're operating within Perth and the greater West Australian area kind of speaks to the fact that there are students ready to fill those positions, which is kind of awesome because you wouldn't think that that would have been the case 15 years ago. There just wouldn't have been enough people who wanted to partake. Oh, look, you know what? Do you know what I would really love? Is I love to see lots and lots of burlesque schools like all around WA, like mm. regional. And I'm just sort of, you know, I, I am working on that in different hubs, but like I would love to just encourage as many people sort of to to get it going. I know there's, there's one in Albany who's one of our um, ex students. Um, they, um, Vermilia Rose, she lives in um, Albany and she's created her own burlesque school there and it's, it's going off. And that is so exciting. So the cool. Southwest has now got a couple of burlesque schools. Um, yeah, firing up. And I, I just, I love this because it just means that we could have a massive open sea that people could travel to and like, you know, touring. And I just, I just think how cool, like, it's just amazing. Like, we've got such a massive coastline, mm. you know, why can't it be full of burlesque? <laughs> <laughs> Feathers and boas everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, feathers. Woo! No, not feathers. Vegan, oh. thanks. Oh, not feathers. Oh, controversial opinion. The first one that you've done all the oh, no, time. I guess, uh, I guess when it comes to, yeah, so I'm trying to, trying to wean ourselves off feather feathers. Obviously, you know, yeah. naturally picked off brown feathers is, is, is fine. But in terms of like, yeah, I, I really am fairly, I'd like to sort of push that more in the company. Uh, I created like these, um, I made these big massive tool, tool feather fans to replace our, our feather fans a few years ago, which was a massive job. But 
um, yeah, that's sort of like the first sort of steps in trying to, and like, you know, the sort of chill blowers and things, um, replacing kind of, yeah, feathers, because it is a massive issue in yeah. the industry of, yeah, I, I don't want to go into it because it's quite gruesome. So, yeah, but you get the message. No, you get 100%. The idea. I love that there's like, uh, even because obviously, like you mentioned before, there's obviously as the companies grow and change and move, there's so many different things you've got to do when you're listening to the people that you're working with or the people who take your classes. And that's very cool. But there's something awesome that you've just touched on about being like even more holistic and considering like, where are we getting our pasties from? What products are we putting on our body? If we're creating costumes every six weeks for a grad show, what does that look like? And oh. how can we be more holistic about it, more sustainable about it? So I love that you've touched on it. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. A hundred percent. I'm so like, I'm fairly passionate about this, um, especially when you're costuming. Um, I'm very much into like recycling and secondhand and um, sustainable use of costuming because, you know, it, it's, very easy for as performers we like we kind of we hoard things that we find in shops and shop <laughs> yep. oh I'll use that later and it's just <laughs> like well I I know I've I'm really into when I've been taught teaching more recently more over here in the UK I've I've sort of been trying to um teach the students how they can use things from elk shops and things and just change up the costumes and mm. but also maybe using this material from curtains and things to create bustles and blah, blah, you know, things that we can maybe try and uh, establish an education of the students to be able to um, create sustainable costumes because it really, A, it costs a lot of money, you yeah. know, to create costumes, as you know. Um, but also, like, yeah, the environmental consequences of this is huge. Like, you know, feathers is obviously one thing, but glitter, even though it might be, I've read somewhere that even though it's, it's um, um, it's meant to be bio, like it's meant to be okay for the environment. This sort of bio glitter, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it is 100% is. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of a concern for me. Is the glitter is just rife, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you know, the, the amount of what happens to these costumes after they get used once or twice, they get possibly resold. Um, but then after that, you know, that's why we got, we have got a second hand sort of a Scotland sales site um, that we sort of set up as in like a Facebook page. But, yeah, I'd love to see more and more of it. I'm just trying to figure out how to make that happen because um, there must be so many costumes out there that no one ever uses. Like <laughs> <laughs> Unloved costumes sitting there waiting for somebody to twirl in them. <laughs> yeah, you know, just eco-wise, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's really important that we think about that. It definitely. And I'm, re- it's re- I'm really glad that you touched on it. I think it's massively important. Um when a student enrolls in a Sugar Blue Burlesque class, overall, like obviously there are so many different types of burlesque and different musical genres that people pick and choose and teachers that we love to go and see. But overall, what is your goal for their experience to be? Maybe as a beginner, it would be a great example for people. Um, so I think that, yeah, when, oh, when a beginner sort of enrolls, I think it's really important for me that they have a good time. Mm. Like... <laughs> You know, yeah, like, baseline. Yes, totally. So first and foremost, just have have fun because you know when you get a bit more serious about burlesque, it becomes a business, you know, and it, it you stop you get you, the people do lose that sort of um, passion for it when they start looking for gigs and, and it's about gigging and da, da, da. Mm. and it's like the actual creation aspect and the feel, the feeling of that is so precious, like. To be, to be able to be a beginner and just enjoy the 
the dance and the, the meeting and the community um, is so special. And I think that is really what gets people in is that, you know, and that's for me is like one of the main aspects of, of the company now is community and the, the, the build, building up of the community and being able to give other people opportunities, you know, um, we've created some um, program, even actually I've got a program uh, recently are developing with Miss um, Flo uh, Jangles um, and we've been developing it over about a year now um, and it's going to be sort of trying to um, fundraise to um, have uh, a few different things in the program. So we, we were looking at um, having a free course for people with disabilities. Um, so this is obviously an area that we really would like to um, develop more and try and, and find a way to uh, cater for uh, different needs. And obviously that's very, very tricky because everyone has very different needs. Mm. So um, there needs to be quite a lot of research and the right people sort of talking to us about this. So we're getting through that. Also um, um, having uh, more uh, people in our scene, so um, representing, you know, different parts. So we have, you know, um, and BIPOC, um, obviously community trying to get more of them mm-hmm. involved uh, in burlesque as well, having more representation stages um, and, you know, our trans um, family as well. We'd like to have them involved more and just um, so um, and non-binary people. So we're just trying to develop some programs to um, having more producers of colour. So this is something that we are going to have like um, almost like scholarships in place, so fundraising for these scholarships to have to be able to support um, these producers and performers, and giving them resources and um, you know things that they would need to to develop more quickly and um, mentorship and advice and things. Um, and we would hope that that will sort of really develop our community, um, yeah, in a real positive way. So but that's been a developed right year. Just we we've got lack of you know money to be able to progressive this so we're just we're getting there but it just takes a bit longer um when we've got so many projects on the go as well so um but yeah that is our our goal for for early next year is we're going to get this it's, we're going to call it so the just the so, you know the name of it's going to be called community oh my gosh <laughs> yay this is that's a great name obviously that would have been like staring us staring you in the face that is so good <laughs> i'm i mean it's great that it's like Consistent change, consistently striving to be a better version of the scene that we love and to share that scene with more and more people. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's something that we have um, we very much would like to, uh, we're focusing on right now. So, um, yeah, the community and um, growth in the community in the right way um, is, is super important. So, It definitely, it definitely is. Um that sort of growth obviously is a big part of what propelled you to rebrand the um, Mixed Burlesque. Well, it wasn't called Mixed Burlesque, but rebrand to the Mixed Burlesque competitions across Australia. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so um, this is really important to me. Um, in, uh, so in 2007, um, we had um, Scala Adams, um, uh, our very first sort of first drag queen to win um, like Miss um, Burlesque Australia. Um, and at the time, I'd only just took over the company, so I'd been working within um, MBA for like, since sort of it, it started. 
Um, and then the, the producer, Cassandra Jane, or the, you know, the person who was running the whole thing, the owner, um, sold, was on to sell the business and, um, encouraged me to buy it. So I said, okay, um, I'm happy to take this on and, um, but I will be making a fair few changes. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I bought it in 2017, uh, sorry, 2018 Scarlet One. Um, and, um, and there was obviously controversies and things happened after that, but, Regardless of those um, things that happened after that, we that sort of um, change in sort of who the winner was was like it opened a lot of questions, and yeah. I I I was really like this is exciting. This is something that needs to be changed. We weren't quite ready to change the name right then, but, but I I, um, I finally got it through. Everyone was ingredient ingredient in agreement. Sorry, um, or producers and then people I spoke to in the industry about this um, a couple of years down the track, and this is sort of you know going through COVID and everything, it was like tough. So once we sort of sort of got ourselves back on track, um, I made the huge changes and there was, you know, for me, changing the whole name of the business is it is a big change because, you know, you've got there's a lot involved of, mm. in marketing and branding and obviously all your online presence. You know, we've got a really big YouTube channel as well. Um, so all that sort of branding and stuff is is you know, it does affect everything. But for me it was so important. Changing it to um, to Mixbellus just meant that um, that it gave the uh, the platform the opportunity on the platform for everyone. It didn't, and it didn't matter, you know, what you know, what was down there, you know, mm. what you what you you know your gender at birth is. It's a matter of what kind of performer you are, and that is really the bottom line, isn't it? It's totally. A burlesque performer, and it's a burlesque performer competition, a professional burlesque performer competition, and um, that is. And we've seen the most exciting results from it. I've got to say, the mm, last two years have been yeah. awesome, um, and it's just exactly what I wanted. I wanted to have a much more um, inclusive scene, um, scene in MBA, and we wanted. You know, we. I feel like we are one of the leaders in um, in burlesque in in Australia because the competition has such a high profile um, and and I, I really feel that we need to be leading the way with this sort of stuff and it really has had um, some, some fantastic, um, I guess, offshoots from this. So um, the Burlesque Call of Fame in Las Vegas have also obviously changed their categories as well to yes. be more inclusive and um, it has been been after us, but actually, the um, Alyssa Kidd, who is um, one of the associate um, producer of MBA, she helps me with everything. She's a writer, she's a phenomenal performer, and she is just such a powerhouse. And she helped advise the Hoff as well with these sort of changes. So, um, yeah, it's very, very exciting, and it's just the beginning of this. But I, I really can see how it has um, aided, you know, in, in starting to create that inclusive space you know in, in burlesque in, in australia especially um so yeah let's carry on with this for sure <laughs> yes totally and in like on like the topic of carrying things on and obviously as somebody who is so incredibly invested in the west australian art scene um what would you like to see from the scene as a whole not necessarily just in burlesque but as a whole moving forward uh, you know i just like people to um bring it back down to earth (laughs) i know that sounds sounds a little bit strange but if you know i want people to remember that 
burlesque is a very personal thing. And yes, we get paid, you know, performers get paid to do their job and da da da. But really remember why you started performing in the first place. Mm. And if if you start feeling like, oh, the you know, the stress and anxiety of like competing for for work and and then not feeling good enough for this, and I've got a, a block on my act. What should I be doing now? Take a break. That is all I can say. You know, I really would love the scene just to just relax a bit because um, I think <laughs> yeah. there is a bit of competition. You know, these then also the competitions that you know I, I facilitate, mm. apprentice and MBA. You know, these these for me is really important that they are used. Obviously, some people have goals for winning, but especially apprentices like an MBA, they need to be platforms for, for growth and creation. 100%. That's first and foremost what they should be used for. And I think if you go in there with a thought like, I just got to win this thing, it's like, <laughs> it's really unhealthy. Yeah. It's so unhealthy though, like, because, you know, you're really, you're, you're not thinking of the bigger picture and how it can facilitate your growth in terms of like work afterwards. Totally. Um, and, you know, like I think that it's just, you know, again, it's it's just still burlesque. It's a creative outlet. You know, <laughs> chill out. <laughs> chill out, everyone. And on the note of just everybody calm down just a little bit, uh, what would you like to plug? <laughs> I know it's a great oh, look, segue. It's an um, awful segue. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know what, like. Uh, there's, we always have shows on, of course, and um, my Unleash show is one of my, my passions. Like, I think I, I really enjoy producing that. Um, so, yeah, always get, try and get down, self down to it, Unleash, because it is different from mm. some of the things we do. But, you know, otherwise, like, there's always, like, fun stuff happening in our, in our Sugar Blue classes. Yeah. Like, I just think that people, if people want something different, just, you can always ask me, like, just send me a message and say, oh, what about this? And I'll be like, yeah, bring it on. Let's let's make this happen. So <laughs> Yes, I've um, always loved yeah. the willingness that you have to try new things. It's very, it's, it's very, very cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm, I love change. So, yeah, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Completely. And you can always go to the Sugar Blue website to find more information about that. If you scroll down, you'll see in the show notes links to the Sugar Blue website and you can find out all about their classes and shows directly there as well. Um, Melanie, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and getting up this morning, your time and like getting on a Zoom and, and having a chat with me about all things um, Perth Burlesque. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you so much, Aria. I've had an absolute ball and I appreciate your time. Thank you. And uh, yeah, everyone, if you're listening to podcast right now, uh, rate, review, subscribe on whatever podcasting app you're listening to or send us a question to waexposepod at gmail.com and we'll ask our next incredible guest. Thank you for joining us. WA Expose is an independent production. Our artwork was created by Georgia Sassenfeld and our theme music is Corrosive by Aria Scarlett and M. Burrows. You can find out more about the podcast or live shows at ariascarlett.com forward slash WA expose. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.